0: It's so important. For parents to partner with teachers and to recognize that their kids may be different in that environment. I remember saying to many parents, it's a rare day that you, as a parent, unless you're on vacation or in the same room for six or seven hours a day as your child, but yep. teachers are. And so we really have to have an appreciation that they may see it differently or that our kids may act differently in different environments. And so the collaboration of both of those perspectives coming together and being on the same sheet of music and being willing to reinforce and support one another. If you kind of think about a triangle, I looked at the home and this classroom being those bottom parts of the triangle. And when that comes together in support, that's when the triangle can be at the peak. That's when children get, you know, that belongingness and nurturing and support, breeds self actualization. And that's what we've got to be committed to. Hi there, it's
1: Kanika. Get ready for another season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview global thought leaders on their life stories, the legacy they're passing on to their kids, and of course, their Mom Sense and Dad Sense superpower. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Hey, I'm Daphne Oz. Hi, I'm Shawnee (laughs) Darden. Hi, this is Chris Salin. Hi, I'm Bob Michelle
2: Hi, this is Tony LeRoy.
1: Hi, I'm Shannon Lee. Hi, I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Hi, this is Michael Perry, founder of Maple. And you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's our mission to be inclusive. So we're having dads pull up a seat at the table. Tune in to my new monthly segment, What Matters Most with Maple, featuring my co-host, Michael Perry, tech founder and devoted father of two. Thank you to my brand partners, community, and you, yes, you, for making this podcast possible. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an
3: episode. It's Teacher's Appreciation Week, the first week of May, so I wanted to honor my favorite teacher of all time. She's my second grade teacher, who to me was Miss Coy and is now Dr. Lynn Coy Ogin. It's true that the most formative years in a child's life are from ages zero to six, and to have met her during this most impressionable time was transformative for me. She was warm and kind and funny and encouraging and she treated her entire class of students like we were adults with opinions and ideas and she made an impact in our school and in our community and now she's doing so as a mother and an educator and I can't wait to hear all of her updates so to give you some background. Dr. Koi Ogin has served as Senior Vice President for Academic Affairs and Provost at Husson University for the past 13 years. And prior to that, she was the Dean of the School of Education at Husson for five years. She holds a degree from Boston University, Johns Hopkins University and Liberty University. She began her career as a grade two classroom teacher in the Montgomery County Public School System in Maryland. And prior to her leadership roles in higher education, she spent 12 years as a school administrator in K-8 schools in Maine and in Maryland. In 2002, she was honored as Maine's National Distinguished Principal. She has served on numerous state task forces for issues related to leadership, curriculum reform, and assessment practices, Additionally, she has chaired several program review teams for the Maine Department of Education and served on accreditation teams as a chair and participant for the New England Commission of Higher Education throughout New England and Europe. Her passion for educational excellence and commitment to student success are balanced by the enjoyment she finds in traveling throughout the world and spending time with her family. Welcome to that Total Mom Sense this day. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's great to see you. Yes, yes. It's only been thirty-one years. (laughs) 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 Oh my goodness, my heart is full. I have to share that. It just it it feels like life comes full circle, and I feel like the second grader all over again. (laughs) Saying, "I just I remember how you were and how you treated us, and you know it's it's true." That quote. It's like you know you might forget um, what people say, but you'll never forget how they made you feel. And you made me feel so loved and nurtured and supported. And that just, I feel like it set me up for the rest of my life.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much.
3: <laughs> You're welcome. So I'm going to start by you know sharing our backstory. Sure. Um, I, I grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and you know, we taught at our school, Summit Hall Elementary. Mm-hmm. I, I still remember my mom actually advocated. For me, and, and having you as my homeroom teacher, <laughs> she she was uh, friends with the principal Bell, Mrs. Bell, and you know when she had met you, I think maybe there was an interaction before school started, and she instantly felt connected and was like, oh, kind of that has to happen, um, and so she you know put in a word, and it, and we made it happen, and I think she knew how fond I would. You know, be of you as well, and then yeah, and I had you in homeroom. What memories do you have of that of that class? I guess we were 1988.
0: Yeah, those were my first three years of teaching. So you know, it was, it was a wonderful little school, and, and second grade was such a fabulous grade to teach because students are still young enough that they really school's still magical, and they really love their teacher, and they're you know still finding their own way, but they're old enough that they can start to have some level of independence and creativity, and they're beginning to learn to read and write and with fluency. And I just thought that was a fabulous grade level to begin teaching.
3: There are some life lessons that I just want to point out that I feel like, again, you just, they stick with you. On this particular day, I I had done a good job. You know, you always encourage us to do our best and be kind to one another without having to seek any extrinsic kind of motivation for it. But I, you know, was well-behaved. I wasn't talking in class. I was often talking in class. (laughs) And then I, you know, did all my uh, class activities. And at the end of the day, you had this treasure box. And you said, my star student for today is Kanika. And you invited me up to your desk and said, you get to pick something from the treasure box. And it was, I think, the first time you introduced this. I mean, I was over the moon. I I think I chose a, a kaleidoscope toy or something cool like that that I didn't have already and it was this like you know feeling of gratification and I and I knew I didn't do it for the reward hmm. but when it came after the fact it just felt like huh that was noticed and that's being acknowledged so
0: that was great. I think you're always trying to encourage students to develop that intrinsic motivation and sometimes you have to start it with external in, um, incentives yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because now I collect items for my daughter's who teaches third grade for her box. Yeah, and exactly. um, and she and I've had lots of conversations about this and in, in terms of it's really important to help reinforce positive behavior by catching students doing good things and, yeah. and encouraging that through verbal praise and through small little tangible types of pieces. And over time, that really becomes the framework for building that intrinsic motivation that we ultimately need as adults and and that changes you know the world for the better
3: do you think that there is a specific age that we can do that i mean is that something that we could do with infants too or is yeah. there an age that is more amenable
0: well what i've really found is that personalities differ So individual students respond to praise differently. In fact, when I work in supervising faculties, one of the things that I'll often do in in coming to a new work setting is ask people how they prefer to receive praise.
3: Oh, and I've wow. done
0: creative things like leave messages on people's home answering machines or send notes to their children. You know, your, your dad did this fabulous you know, thing at school today. Because for different people, it's, it's meaningful in different ways, not unlike what we read about love languages. You know, there's certain things, yes. whether it's verbal praise or acts of kindness that just resonate with different individuals. And so what I tried to do in the classroom is balance those mm-hmm. different platforms because certain things were gonna be more meaningful to others um, and then sometimes developmentally, just depending where students are in their maturity scale or, or their coping mechanisms, you know, on certain days it may be more sentimental or meaningful than, than at other times.
3: Yeah, that's so great. And I think, you know, even at that age, we know what our love languages are.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, if your it's always are productive it. if you can speak to those strengths mm-hmm. and you get make increased gains.
2: Yes. Yes. So true. Um, another life
3: lesson that you taught me was to be kind and compassionate. And another girl in my class named Allison and was often kind of teased by the other kids and she wasn't as talkative, was kind of withdrawn from everyone else, you know, wore these thick glasses and had blisters on her arms and legs and everyone made fun of that, you know, and I I didn't participate in the the teasing and then the bullying per se, but I, I didn't stand up for her either. When you had to give us new desk assignments, you sat me next to Allison mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I remember I looked at you like, you know who my friends are (laughs) and I'm like separated from my friends that was a life lesson that I needed to learn because it was the first time that I even had a conversation with her Mm -hmm. and I got to know her and in our human experience we are empathetic and I felt wow you know she's so much like me you know she was coloring and writing and her interests and you know just whatever she's into in in life in our little bubble that we were in was so similar and there was no reason why she should have been treated that way. And so, yeah, then I, then I found myself playing with her, you know, at recess on the blacktop and talking to her more and including her and sticking up for her. I'm glad that you, you know, showed me that that's important for, for kids
0: to do. Well, I think those are invaluable life lessons, And it was interesting. One of the most meaningful things that ever happened to me was years later, I had a student in my third grade class when I was a student years ago at Morton Avenue and probably 10 or 20 years ago on the street, a man approached me and he said, I'm not sure if you remember me, but I was in your third grade class. And everybody made fun of me because I was very poor and I didn't, you know, I didn't have um good clothes and and I didn't fit in. And you stood up for me on the playground. And I and I didn't honestly recall doing that. Yeah at that point. You've done it too until many times he, in your life. <laughs> well, until he started talking through it. And then I could yeah. almost put myself back there and, and see some of the playground equipment and, and remember situations where that exactly was happening. And so I think it's a powerful piece because we never know the full extent of our actions. You know, why is it that some people have so many more benefits and support mechanisms than others. And I've been a strong believer that schools are great equitizers of those scenarios. And so if we're gonna change the world for better, we have to empower and teach students how to have compassion and sensitivity. And then also we have to give them the tools to learn how to produce effective change and standing up for bullies and developing deep compassion and recognizing that there's a lot more common amongst people than differences. Those are really important life lessons. And, and so they begin as small nuggets. And when students find success and connections, like you said, they're transformational. And I think those are really important seeds that as parents, we have to be purposely committed to. And as educators, we need to prioritize.
3: Do you have any tips on how to go about this as parents? Because so many of these values start in the home. It's a bonus when your teacher is aligned and, you know, simulating that in the classroom.
0: One of the things I always have tried to keep in mind is in my parenting and in my teaching is that everything that I do is always on record. And when I say that, I mean, little eyes are watching and those impressions come not just from what we say or how we lecture, but how the connection between what our example sets, the words we speak and then the prioritization that we give certain behaviors or principles in life. I think there are natural pieces by which our children watch what we do. And so mm-hmm. prioritizing to make sure that that's always something that we want them to remember, that that's our best work. And so every day, you know, my prayer would be that I would come to my role as a mother, or even you know, in the same thing in the workplace as an educator, giving my best work and recognizing that that's always on stage, it's making impressionable moments. The second piece is that, you know, when I do speak, I'm speaking in a context that creates relevance, and that creates connections, and that creates and encourages purpose. And that's You know, I think sometimes people will say short phrases or they'll try to reinforce a concept, but they're not so aware that their actions aren't reinforcing that or that they're not looking for those teachable moments purposely. And then I would always look for what are those big rocks that I want my children? What are the essential pieces that I really want them to be grounded in and develop? And then I would look for additional resources like a podcast or a children's book or a movie or even something that we will watch. Watching on TV, and then take purposeful time, whether that's snuggling at night when you're, you know, getting ready to, you know, have bedtime stories or say prayers, or whether that's, you know, during family conversation at the dinner table, or many times even with adolescents, it would be when I was driving the car and conversations mm-hmm. from the back seat. Um, you know, those were when the valuable times of listening and lessons could occur. But I think really prioritizing those as purposeful moments. And I really tried to make sure that those just weren't left to coincidence, but instead that I seized opportunity, but that I also interwove purposeful opportunity.
3: Yes, that's so important. What can we kind of prepare ourselves for when we have three teens and teenagers? I'm already thinking about it.
0: (laughs) I think the real key is being a really good listener and then really appreciating who your children are not who you wished they would be. Mm. And so if you can meet them where they're at and then constantly see your role as a mom, as a scaffold, you know, you think about when the Statue of Liberty was being uh, you know, re- refurbished a few years ago, you saw the visual piece of that scaffold. I've tried to always look at my role as an educator and a parent as a scaffold to provide mm. additional stability and support with the purpose that they're going to independently flourish on their own. And that's different than being, you know, the author of a script, because each of our kids have different personalities, they have different strengths, they have different interests, they're going to have different peer influences. But if you can really prioritize listening and creating purposeful places of safety and conversation. And for one of my daughters, that really was in journaling. She loved to write. You know, she was much more comfortable um, sharing that in articulate and sharing in writing. And with another daughter, she's very, very verbal. And so she really needed that unconditional presence time of knowing that she could come talk about whatever. Recognizing that when children are ready to talk, we have to be ready to listen. We, you know, with the busyness of life, we might be be tempted to say i'll get back to you but often it's you know it's like any other risk-taking behavior if we're received positively and welcoming we're going to be more likely to extend that but yeah. if we're not we're going to be less likely and we'll look for other avenues of support and many times kids will find that from peers if their parents aren't as available right and so i've really always tried to prioritize that at every step of my kids development And I think, um, you know, it's real easy as a parent to write a check and send it in, but our kids don't learn from that. And so when we walk alongside of them and then kind of provide that metacognitive lens for them that transfers and and helps explain the background and and the importance, and then they watch us be willing to dedicate our time. You know, I remember one another heartwarming experience for me as a mom was one day, my oldest daughter um, had us stop the car right away and she'd seen a woman, you know, begging on the Side of the road, she said, mommy, we need to go home right now." And so when we did, I, you know, it would have been easy to give a couple dollars in, you know, into the can. But she wanted to go home, and she packed up these little care kits. And so she put in granola bars and apples and different pieces. But then she also wrote notes: "You're important, you matter." And then we went back, and the woman was still there. And then she got out of the car, and then in a, in a little gift bag, a beautiful gift bag that she packed up you know, she symbolically brought tangible reinforcement, you know, to the woman's worth. And so to watch a nine-year-old be willing to put that much energy. And so it became my responsibility as the parent to stop what I was doing, to get off my schedule, you know, (laughs) to realize that that could be returned to differently. And then to allow my daughter to have that ability to bring her own leadership forth and her own caring um, presence to the forefront, but to walk along her side of her as she was trying to move that journey forward
3: tell us about your motherhood journey when you had your kids and you know how that kind of changed you and and you know
0: your life trajectory after that yeah I, I think I really loved every stage of being a mom <laughs> and i was a working mom you know i was yes. a principal the whole time when my children were little and and then was a you know a dean when they were in middle school and and went back for my doctoral degree when the girls were were younger so i think it's about juggling lots of glass balls and, you know, having grace and mercy, especially with myself. But it's really that authenticity of, you know, just being in the moment. And and that was important for me to learn because I can multitask. Pretty carefully, and when you have demanding careers, you know it's it's important to be able to hit that pause button. And I think I'm still in that learning curve. The other thing that I really tried to prioritize is being the home that all the children in the neighborhood wanted to come to. So that meant buying lots of pizza and you know cleaning up <laughs> lots of messes. But I always wanted to know by name and to know really well who my kids were socializing with. Yes, and I, you huge. know, especially as social media and texting and all of that is so infiltrating you know it became really important for me to be aware and knowledgeable of the influencers in my kids lives and lots of time after third grade especially that's a very peer driven yeah um, and then the other part I think is really prioritizing what was important to the kids. So that meant probably way more trips to the mall than I would be interested in. <laughs> you know, sure. sitting through more movies or you know, having more parties in the backyard and putting up sheets and watching movies and making popcorn and all of those kind of things. I love that. But I oh, think yes. um really trying to capture those. And my girls spend a lot of time now looking at all those photos or making them into, you know, Kodak memory books and unifying that and displaying those kinds of pieces is symbolic and saying you're important, you're loved, you're prioritized, and you're valued. And I, I think watching that now as they grow up and, and having their own careers has been really rewarding to see that come full circle.
3: How do you recommend that we you know still have that authority? Because I think you know my kids are younger. But I see them, they're all in a little league right now. And I see how enthusiastically they'll listen to their coach, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And with me, it's like pulling teeth sometimes, you know, and I it, I don't want to be anxious or exasperated. And there's times where I get it right. And I like, you know, get down to a level and talk to them. And then there's other times where I'm just like, oh my God, give me a break, you know? And so how how do we have that same level of authority as parents mm-hmm. where they don't, Be like, oh, we can walk all over our parents, but they don't. Even think about it when it comes to their teachers
0: and coaches? <laughs> well, I, I think two things that I would mention. One, we all have a limited amount of energy. And so sometimes when our kids are bringing their best self to the classroom, we have to recognize that they're going to have less of that at home. And so they're not <laughs> always going to be on their best role. And, and so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second, the second and, I, and I would always say that I would choose for my children to learn how to have their best self in those new important environments and if they have to be a little bit more authentic and less you know less perfect at home you know yeah. then that's okay. And yeah. then the second thing is to really have those authentic conversations and not in a parent voice but more in a coach's voice mm. and to be able to say gosh see you know we seem a little jumbled tonight you know does it feel off to you? You know that's different than you're making mommy really mad. You know, and so so inviting them into reflection and conversation is really empowering. And I've tried to prioritize that in my classrooms and, you know, in working in any career that I've had. But but I really tried to prioritize it a lot in my parenting, too, um, because when you invite people into that space of reflection and you're a an equal participant or you're a guided guiding participant, which is kind of that scaffolding role of of being a mom, then you're encouraging that self-reflection to become intuitive. And that's really what transfers in learning. And that's what we want. We want our children to be able to transfer among situations and to be able to have intuitive grasp of those important tools. And so I think, you know, gently pointing that out rather than a harsh lecture or a frustrated moment and and when i lose control this say or you know get um, frustrated or raise my voice then being willing to say you know mommy didn't do a very good job today you know yeah. i'm really sorry i, I could have handled that better and right. you know and ha- and again being authentic in our role to you know to to have enough respect for our children that we're willing to admit that in the same Mm -hmm. way we we would want them to do with us. Mm -hmm. And I really, when that started to come back to me was when I watched my daughter do it with her bitty babies, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew I could hear my parenting (laughs) and I knew it was starting to resonate and then when they would, you know, when they would be able to apply those tools with their friends or then ultimately, you know, in some of their disagreements, um, either with my husband or I, then I could see that those tools were taking root.
3: How do we navigate this whole new world that we're in? You know, very much this digital era and Jetson's life come true, (laughs) where we're video conferencing and have robots to vacuum and all this stuff, but more particularly social media and the impacts around that. I'm so glad I grew up in a generation where we didn't have the internet. I just, I feel like the dangers online and and the toxicity that, you know, that can be created from that. It's it's really scary. And so Mm -hmm. you're seeing it as a parent and as an educator and yeah, how, how do we just incorporate social media, but protect them at the same time?
0: So I, I kind of look at it in the same way that I would when it didn't exist. You know, everything we do is, is sets an example. So we have to pay attention to our own social media presence and what we post and how we respond to others because our children are watching that. Right. The second thing is how much it overtakes our own lives. If our children are constantly watching us text instead of paying attention to them right. at dinner, you know, then they're going to prioritize that or or feel that that Mode of conversation and communication is important.
3: Right. I think
0: the other part is being willing to set boundaries in the same way that we set boundaries of when they come in from playing in the afternoon. You know, really limiting that face time on the computer or on the phone. I, I used to have it in, in terms of the option, the parental monitoring option um, through Verizon, so that you know it shut off at a certain time and they couldn't have access, and and then it would you know it would monitor or it would alert me if there was something unsafe going on and that wasn't popular with my kids but i talked to them about the fact that that was a privilege and you know in the same way that the car keys were a privilege when they were 17 and so i think we have to say hey if i'm paying the bill for the cell phone then there are certain rules of productive behavior that you as the user have to follow these are our family priorities
1: let's not forget
0: our quote of the day Is there a quote that you live by? Well, it's so funny. At the start, you actually shared my quote. It's by Maya Angelou. And it said, Mm -hmm. you know, I've learned that people will forget what you said and that people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you make them feel. And so I think really taking the time and making sure that, you know, I often ask myself, does this need to be said? does this need to be said now? And does this need to be said by me? (laughs) Because sometimes our temptation can be, you know, to try to, uh, to get in our opinions, but, but having that discipline of self-reflection and then also really um, paying attention and, to listening first and then trying to see in that scaffolding moment, how we can be an enhancer in our children's development rather than get into a tug of war. And Mm -hmm. I think lots of times parents can fall into that as educators can too, because it gets stressful and people are tired and stressed but to really be able to step back and say, what is it? You know, I, of course, I, I've never met a parent that doesn't bring their best. I've met a lot of parents whose best is at different levels. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, people are trying, you know, they love their children and they're trying their best. But but at the same time, we have to be able to step back and say, OK, if I pa- if I could press pause, How could I do that even better? And, you know, and we're not always going to be at our peak game and we have to give ourselves that grace and mercy. But at the same time, when we're not, we have to accept responsibility and be a role model for our children and help show them how when we make mistakes, we have to back up and be committed to self-improvement.
3: So where can my listeners find you and especially the class of um 1988 second grade <laughs> all my peers um,
0: who are listening where can we find you yeah, so um so uh, hassan.edu has all my contact information you know i i'm always excited to get emails from former students and and to hear what's going on in people's lives and you know i always try to get back to everybody that that reaches out and contacts me but but yeah so much of my identity and and um as an educator has been in that uh, that space of being available and um and really being committed um to lifelong learning and transformational experience for improvement. And, and so, um, you know, I, I always enjoy hearing from students and you know, former students and, you know, people, even as they come for prospective students to the university to have people approach and say, you know, I actually had a fond moment of uh, a couple of years ago, of hooding a doctoral student in physical therapy. And he said to me, you know, Dr. Corrigan, do you remember me? i in kindergarten. You gave me a terrific kids award. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know where those moments might come from. But just like for you, when I, you know, when we reached out and I heard from you, right away I could go back to that second grade classroom in Bathersburg at Summer Hall and see you at age seven and mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, how diligent of a, a student you were. And I remember your mom stopping by the classroom. So yeah, I, I'd be delighted to to hear from people and reach out.
3: Oh, that's so wonderful. I, I can't thank you enough. I still I can't get over this, you know, life and full circle moment, that. Here I am with my three young kids and, you know, you made such an impression on me as you have your daughters along with your husband and here I am, you know, as a parent being able to relate to you on a completely different level now. And I can't thank you enough for the impact. you've. Well, had and
0: I think to the role of your mom, because she partnered with teachers. I remember yeah. her stopping by and, <laughs> you know, and asking, how is she doing? What do you think? And and I think it's just so important. That's what I'd want to leave your listeners with. It's so important for parents to partner with teachers and to recognize that their kids may be different in that environment. I remember saying to many parents, it's a rare day that you as a parent, unless you're on vacation or in the same room for six or seven hours a day as your child, but teachers are. And so we really have to have an appreciation that they may see it differently or that our kids may act differently in different environments. And so the class... Collaboration of both of those perspectives coming together and being on the same sheet of music and being uh, willing to reinforce and support one another. If you kind of think about a triangle, I looked at the home in this classroom being those bottom parts of the triangle. And when that comes together and support, that's when the triangle can be at the peak. That's when children get, you know, that belongingness and nurturing and support breeds self-actualization. And that's what we've got to be committed to. And there are going to be different styles that aren't always going to be perfect for our kids, but that will teach them resiliency. And there are going to be styles that we're not always comfortable with parents, but that's okay. It, it breeds opportunity for reflection and encouragement and giving our kids new tools. But then there are going to be magical moments where it all comes together and we get that teacher that we hope that will stay with our kids forever. Yes. And you know, in those moments um, become cherished parts of our heart.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's funny. I'm doing exactly that. Drop-off always takes me 40 minutes because I go to every class to drop them <laughs> off. And I'm chatting with the teachers. I know about, you know, like even their extracurricular stuff. One does yes. swim, senior swim. One does, you know, coaches cheerleading, like, and then we, we know so much about my kids, like yeah. specific anecdotes. Like, do you remember that he did this last week or how is he feeling today? And it's, Oh, it's it's like having a friend in your corner who's helping raise your child. I love, I love the relationship. Because it really
0: is a shared partnership of influence. Yes. And so you want to prioritize and nurture those relationships. And I always looked at them as my extended advocate. Um, And then I had to pour into that relationship through notes of appreciation and, you know, and kindness and patience. And even if I didn't agree to step back and say, you know, I know they're doing the best for my child.
3: Yeah. Well, happy, happy Teacher's okay. Appreciation Week and happy Mother's Day. You deserve all the gifts and
0: happiness in this world. We well, really and I'm so delighted it. to connect with you and see you so successful and flourishing. And, and I just know that you're a wonderful mom. <laughs>
3: Thank you, Miss Boy. Thank you. Okay. Big, big hugs to you. Love okay. you. Okay.
2: <laughs> Take care. Bye. Teacher Appreciation Week is May 2nd to May 6th. And I would love for all of you to take a moment to reach out to your teachers from back in the day and thank the teachers that are helping educate your kids. They are doing the most important work in this world, and we have to be appreciative every single day. Thank you, Ms. Coy, for being so supportive and fun and encouraging and loving when I needed it most you know kids have all sorts of lessons that they can learn at that very pivotal age and you taught me that and you know were more than an extension of what i was learning at home and i feel like that's really built the foundation of who i am and who i want my kids to be and i'm sure that there are other children who are just as touched by your love and i'm excited to share this episode with all of my fellow classmates from Summit Hall Elementary. They're going to love it. And we love you. And for all the podcast listeners, make sure you subscribe to That's Total Mom Sense, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can learn more on my website, That's thatstotalmomsense.com. And follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chada Gupta. If you have any show ideas, much like this one for Teacher Appreciation Week, email me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. I love reading your messages and fan mail. It means the world to me. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's Total Mom Sense.